Don't settle for a sea level Jesus when you can have his fullness, when you can have all of his power, when his might can back you. Don't settle for what the world sells you Jesus is. He is so much more than a routine every single day. He is so much more than going to church every Sunday. He's so much more than one worship song. He's so much more than one miracle. He is so much more than one Bible verse. He is the I am. And what I think is wrong with the church right specifically now is that we have settled for a C level, a D level Jesus. And God is literally saying, I am so much more than what you've settled for because he is. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome, welcome to this sleepy week. I feel like this is the week that the world sleeps. You know, I pray that you had the most amazing Christmas uh, yesterday. I just really, I hope you have taken in all that you can I pray that you have really spent some time in the Lord's presence. I know for our family, the candlelight service on Christmas Eve is non-negotiable. I mean, my even my kids are like, what time's the candlelight service on Christmas Eve? And it's such a beautiful day where we all sit back and we turn our attention to the Christ child. So I hope that you had a chance to do that this week. It's so funny, those candlelight services, every single one. I mean, I'm 43, so every single candlelight service, I'm always like, what if someone drops a candle? Is the whole church going to go up and smoke? I mean, you know, over all these years and all these candlelight services, someone somewhere has dropped a candle somewhere. <laughs> I always like stare at my kids like, don't you hold it, hold it, hold it. So we're, we're not responsible for the church going up in flames. Uh, but I hope you had just such a great Christmas. And thank you for joining me today and this week as you have a moment to join me. I also want to say Happy New Year to you. I love the new year. I don't like January, but I like the new year. <laughs> I'm always like, January is the worst month ever. But I love the new year, and I love the promise of newness and another turn around the sun, another 365 days for the Lord to move in our lives. And listen, if we're here and we're crossing into this new year, that is a blessing. So happy new year to you. You will hear me next week and um, we're going to, we're going to kick off our awesome new year's series. I have such a word. I don't even want to tell you what it is because it's still percolating in me, but um, just know this is going to be good. We're going to kick it off right. Okay. So join me next week and we will talk through our series this year. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. And because it's Sleepy Week, it's such a good week to talk through questions that you guys have, okay? 
So many of you guys <laughs> sent us questions. It was overwhelming. I mean, my team and I um, were looking through everything that you guys sent. Some of you guys want to know some really funny stuff. And I just want to say I love those. Those are my favorite. So we're going to have a couple of, you know, not serious questions. And then we're going to have a couple of serious questions. But your question that you sent in to us maybe in this batch. I think we narrowed it down to nine different questions. And um, so it might be in our batch. Here's the first one. Alyssa writes this in. Number one, what's in your coffee cup? <laughs> do you order coffee out? And what do you get? I do not order coffee out. I rarely get coffee at Starbucks or like a coffee shop or whatever. I know that that's making everyone cringe. But I get up so early in the morning that I make old school coffee from a pot now my pot is amazing okay my pot is the bomb we bought it from williams and sonoma several years ago and that thing just keeps on trucking i actually do not know what i'm gonna do when my coffee pot dies because it's like a best friend for me it greets me every morning it's consistent it's faithful sometimes it listens to me when i complain i drink real old school coffee i do not like lattes i do not like anything with sugar in it i don't like the fancy drink I'm super boring. So I drink regular coffee with half and half. And recently I started steaming my half and half, which I know living on the edge. And I put two Splendas in it. And it's really not that exciting. It's just, it's actually incredibly boring. But that's what I drink. And I don't order coffee out. I go to Starbucks and I get their egg bites, their bacon egg bites, because they're freakishly good and I love them. And that's what we get. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? There is a lot about my hair. Yes, my hair is a whole moment. It's a movement. I realized, I think it was in 2018 when I put when I put out that study about domestic violence in the church. I did a lot of press. Lots of questions about my hair. I did a lot of press about, you know, the study, domestic violence in the church. And I took a lot of pictures because when you do press, when you do a press tour, you know, they're constantly taking pictures of you. You know, when you leave, they're like, hey, can we get a picture? And you take a picture with whoever's interviewing you and all the things. And they took a picture of the back of my head. And I was like, man, my hair is thinning. It's like, like, not like I'm a grandma and it's thinning. It just was getting thinner. And so, you know, I help it out a little bit. So I am a big fan of all the things hair, okay? Bleach it, add more hair to it. Whatever you got to do to your hair, I love hair. I almost was a hairdresser. I almost went to school for that before I got saved. I was actually enrolled in school to go. So hair is my jam. So all the things with hair. So if you can imagine it, I've probably done it to my hair. <laughs> So thank you for all my uh, hair questions. I also got a lot of questions about my nails, but I won't talk about my nails, although they're awesome. And I found a new nail lady. Her name's Regina, and she's amazing. Okay, let's transition to some more serious stuff. Number one question. I do not know who that's from. Um, Amanda didn't put the names in here, but I think that's okay. I think this came in from my Instagram account, but it said this. Can God's word for you be the same thing twice? 
Okay. Now we're taking some liberties here because that was literally the question, but I do think it's a good question. If you are, it kind of looked to us like it was in the context of a question for the next year. Okay. A lot of people, there's this huge trend of getting a word for your year, for your next year. And we started doing this, I think, you know, uh, maybe close to it was in about 2010 when I started praying over a prophetic word for our next year. And what is that going to look like? And um, I believe this is what this is asking. Can God's word for you be the same thing twice? And my answer is yes, <laughs> of course I can. If God is speaking to you about the next year of your life, God can tell you whatever he wants. I am not going to be the one that says, oh, no, God has to change it up. God has to do it our way. No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there are seasons in our life that are longer than two years. I know, for instance, when we were adopting, we were in that season of adoption for over three years. So the same thing that God was telling me just about every year during that time was related to our adoption. So if you're talking about what God is saying for you next year, absolutely. He can give you the same word twice. And I want to just be clear. What we do here at the ministry is God gives me the word. I don't choose the word. And I know that sometimes people will choose their word for the year, next year, whatever. It's very trendy. But I want to know, God, what are you going to do with us next year? What is your plans for us next year? God anoints his plan for you. He does not anoint your plan for him. So when you're praying through a word or a theme for your year next year, make sure it's prophetic and it's from the voice of God, because that's how you know what to expect. Our word for the ministry last, uh, in 2023 was joy and joy in all, all the things, all kinds of joy. Okay. Joy in suffering, joy in celebration, joy in patience, joy in, you know, the rebirth of something new. So I can honestly say, I haven't even talked to my team about this yet, but we will. I can honestly say that God has defined the last year with the theme of joy for our ministry. So very good question. The second question is this, and I loved this question. I told Amanda, whatever you choose, choose this one. What do we do when the enemy attacks our children? I have four children, as you know, and I will be very blunt with you. Sometimes the enemy can attack me and it's one thing. But when the enemy comes after my children, it is a totally different kind of pain and it is a totally different kind of hurt. From my series on Job, we know for a fact that the enemy comes after children. The enemy came and literally slew all 10 of Job's children. Don't believe me? Read Job 1, okay? It's in there. The enemy does come after our children, 
because of our righteousness or faithfulness or whatever it is. He wants nothing more than to get your legacy to turn their back on him. So I will tell you, I'm very, um, all four of my children, now they all have different needs. They are completely different people. I was even telling Moses and Haven last night, just because they look alike (laughs) and they're the same age and um, all of those things, it does not mean that they are the same person. Haven has uh, strengths and weaknesses that Moses does not have. And Moses has strengths and weaknesses that she doesn't have. So it is my job and my role and my honor as a mother to be emotionally engaged with each one of my children. At any point, my children know because I have over communicated to them that I am going to be their safest place. Me and their dad is going to be their safest place. No matter what is happening in your mind, no matter if you think what you're thinking is going to upset us, no matter what you're doing. I just told my son the other day, if you're somewhere, I don't care what time it is, two o'clock, 3 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, and you feel uncomfortable there, you call me on the phone, I will pick you up, no questions asked, don't even worry about it, I will come get you, I won't say one word to you, and I'll bring you back home to safety, okay? I believe that it is our job as mothers and fathers to be emotionally engaged with our children so that the Spirit of God can speak to us about things that they would never tell us in order for us to confront those things like satanic attacks on them before they ever happen. Let me give you an example. Last year, the Lord told me, your son is dealing with something and you just need to be prepared that he's going to bring it to you and he's going to need your help with it. This was two months uh, before this particular incident. Two months after the Lord had told me that, our son came into our room and said, I need to tell you something. And he had been dealing with kind of a mental psychological attack from the enemy, and he could not get away from it without us standing for him and interceding for him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise the standard against them. In Colossians, it says, in him, in God, in Christ, all things are held together. I teach this all the time, especially when I go to colleges. He is what holds our family together. He is what holds our children's lives together. When we are seeking him as the center of our lives, the Holy Spirit is going to communicate to us about things that concern us, which would most definitely be our children. Okay. So typically the Holy Spirit will tell me, Hey, one of your kids is dealing with something and you just need to be aware that when they come to you, you need to handle it with grace, with truth. You need to listen to them and you need to help them out of it. Uh, My son Moses went through a season two years ago where he was dealing with something and I knew it before he even came to me and told me about it. And I prayed for him for one solid year. Every single day, and I pray for my kids all the time, but specifically every single day about this particular thing. And I am so happy to report that he is through that season of his life and it's amazing. So, 
Your job is to stand when the enemy fights your kids. Your job is to be in tune with the spirit so the spirit can be able to communicate to you, hey, so-and-so is dealing with this and you need to sit down, prod a conversation and be a graceful place to fall when they tell you, hey, I'm struggling in this area. The enemy, if you are faithful, the enemy, if you are striving after righteousness, the enemy will, will attack your children. And it's your job to say, you got to get through me first. Okay. Um, I've done this for my kids ever since they, they were born, ever since they were born. Three of them almost died. Eddie and I stood in the gap and said, no. You're not going to take them. You're not going to take them. Okay. Now, the next one. What do you do when you get bored in your relationship with God? <laughs> I love how Ralph this says. What do you do when you get bored in your relationship with God? I had her include this question in here. And I don't mean to sound like, I don't know how this is going to sound. And it doesn't matter. I don't get bored in my relationship with God. I think pre being filled with the Holy Spirit, it was boring. I was going through the motions before I got saved when I was, you know, 21. I was going through the motions. I would go to church. I'd be like, I mean, I like church because I like people, but I was, I was there for people. I wasn't there for God, really. Once I had a conversion and experience with the spirit of the living God, when I fell on my face at 3 a.m. in the morning, I have never, ever been the same. Now, there are seasons in my relationship with the Lord when I realize this isn't satisfying me anymore. What I have been doing in my quiet time, in my prayer life, whatever it is, it's not feeding me anymore. I need to go to the next level with the Lord. And oftentimes the next level invitation has been there for a long time, but I have not walked through the door of that invitation. This is what that looks like. Okay. If I'm reading through the scripture one morning and I'm thinking, this is just really not vibing with me because I'm a human being. I'll ask the Lord, where am I missing it? What do I need to know? What do I need to hear? What do I need to hear from you? Is there pride in the way? Do I feel like I know it all? Is there sin in my life? Do I feel like I don't need you anymore? Am I trying to control a situation? When I get to a point in my quiet time where I feel like, you know what? I don't feel like what I've been doing is working anymore. Or I just feel like I need more from the Lord. I go to the Lord and say, what am I missing? Because I know that he is vast. He is the I am. He is everything I will ever need on any day ever. Okay. So the problem is not going to be with him. The problem is going to be with me. And then I sit and I listen. Okay. Autumn, you're, I remember one, one time I, I prayed this exact prayer, exactly what I said to you. I'm not feeling it. I'm not in this. I'm not bored, but I just feel like I need more. Okay. And the Lord said, this is why, because you are uh, dwelling in self-pity. <laughs> like a bomb he dropped on me. <laughs> it's because you pity yourself. You feel like everyone else has it easier than you do. Seriously, this is what the Lord said to me. You're dwelling in self-pity because you have a lot of responsibilities. 
And as soon as the Lord said that to me, I knew that I was blocked. Communion with the Lord was blocked because I had been, I had been dwelling in self-pity where I thought they don't have as bad as I do. They don't understand what it's like to be out in front. You know, oh, I wish I had that job where I didn't have to fight the devil and fight everybody else. And he said, you need to repent from your self-pity and this block will leave. And let me tell you guys, I got on my knees, got on my face. I, well, actually, in, in my mind, I did. Because I don't really, I know exactly where I was, but I don't know what I physically did. And I repented from self-pity. And like a flood, the Spirit of God came in. And I had a great revelation during that time that I spent with the Lord. So if you feel like your time with the Lord is boring or it's fruitless, then the problem is not with God. The problem is with you. What's in the way? Ask God what needs to be removed so you can have that flood of a sense of the spirit to come in. Okay. The next one is what is your most memorable moment encountering God? Oh, I knew this was going to be a hard one. I don't know. What is your most memorable moment encountering God? There have been so many moments. The first time I really experienced the Lord was when I got saved. And I read Psalm 91 when I was contemplating suicide. And he told me the righteous will have long life. And all I wanted to do was live a long life and love him. That would be the one that changed my life. And I would say is the most memorable. But I think since that moment when... I was contemplating suicide, scared of death, terrified of death, thought God wanted to kill me. I mean, it was a horrible place to be in my head <laughs> during that season of my life. I was so messed up. I needed Jesus so bad. My mind was so dark. It was just so dark, I would say. And um, I remember in my first marriage, at 3 a.m. in the morning, everything that happened and the spirit of God speaking to me and drawing me out of my bed when I was, you know, thinking about death. And I told him, you have to speak to me. If you're real, you have to speak to me. And I opened up my Bible to Psalm 91 and it says, the righteous will have long life. With long life, I will satisfy the righteous, depending on your version. And I knew instantly God was real. But I will say this. I repented, got saved in that moment. Holy Spirit met me right there. That one encounter with the Lord opened my eyes that there could be regular encounters like that with the Lord. The reason it's so hard for me to choose one is because there has been maybe thousands at this point. One in particular, I'll remember I was writing my first book. And guys, I wasn't good in school. Like, I... <laughs> I hated school. I loved people, but I hated school growing up. And, you know, I kind of fell under just the, I don't know, they would call it bullying now, but in the 90s, nobody's, called, bullying wasn't a thing. Like bullying was a regular day at school. So, <laughs> you know, what they call it now, I tell my kids all the time, when I was growing up, and now I know why my parents said that to me, because I say it every day to my kids. Anyway, I wasn't good in school, and I was, uh, my work was acquisitioned by my first publisher. And, you know, here I am a grown woman. I have kids myself. And I was really struggling with the self 
doubt of writing a whole book that the whole world would read. I was nervous. I was anxious. I thought, Lord Jesus, you are literally going to have to do this. And I remember walking on the beach feeling just overwhelmed with how am I going to do this? And I said out loud, Lord, I just wish I could hold your hand. And I looked down at the beach and in the waves, there was one of those conch shells and it was perfectly formed, perfectly. It was beautiful. And I bent down because as soon as I said that, I looked down in the waves, I bent down and I grabbed it with my right hand and it was the exact size of my right hand. And I walked with a shell in my hand um, for quite a while, but instantly the Lord told me, I'm holding your hand. And I still have that shell. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was, you know, 10, maybe, maybe 11 years ago. I still have that shell um, in my dresser drawer because it was so special. But it's moments like that that have been peppered through my daily life. When I say in gangster prayer, what's a miracle to them Uh, When God told me what's a miracle to them can be your everyday life, I have chosen to seek the Lord until I find him. And so there's been lots of different encounters like that, as you guys have heard on the show. So I would encourage you to have them as well. Don't, don't settle for a sea level Jesus when you can have his fullness when you can have all of his power, when his might can back you, don't settle for what the world sells you Jesus is. He is so much more than a routine every single day. He is so much more than going to church every Sunday. He's so much more than one worship song. He's so much more than one miracle. He is so much more than one Bible verse. He is the I am. And what I think is wrong with the church right specifically now is that we have settled for a C level, a D level Jesus. And God is literally saying, I am so much more than what you've settled for because he is. Don't ever become satisfied when there is so much more to Jesus than you'll ever, ever be able to partake of, especially this side of heaven. He is so vast, you've not even scratched the surface. He is so creative, you will never scratch the surface of his creativity. He is so good, you'll never even fully understand his goodness until we get to heaven. He is so loving. A lot of us have settled, and like the previous question, so Jesus becomes boring, and um, he's not. He's not. Okay. Um, sorry. I got a little preachy there. Um, okay. What do you think is the most complicated part of Christianity? I love this question. I asked Amanda to leave this one in here. What do you think is the most complicated part of Christianity? That's an easy one to answer. Why does God allow bad things to happen to righteous people? I talk to people all the time. Well, I did believe in God. And then this happened. And I just realized God isn't real because he wouldn't let this happen. It's the hardest part to explain. It's you, you can't talk people out of their experiences, right? But you can invite Jesus into your conversation with them. 
Um, I think one of the hugest things um, when someone says, if God was real, he wouldn't allow something bad to happen to me. I always take it very personally and I transition the conversation to myself. I understand why you feel that way is what I say. I understand. I understand that you are hurting because maybe you feel like God didn't come through the way he, you thought he should. But let me tell you about my story. And I will transition the conversation so that they can hear how Jesus came through, how Jesus was present, even in the midst of the abuse and the betrayal and all the things that I've been through, so that maybe we can begin to start another story about Jesus in their life. But that would be the most complicated part of Christianity. This is when faith becomes faith. Okay. If you can see the end road of your journey on faith, why do you need faith? Faith is not knowing how it's going to end, but trusting that God is going to walk you through. In just societal questions like this, that would be the hardest thing, I think, is explaining and trying to help people understand that Jesus was crucified. Job lost everything. You know, there there are so many examples in scripture of people who suffered and they were righteous, but that does not mean that God is not a good God. Okay. So that was a really good question. The next one is how do you get fired up about God with all you've been through with the church? That is easy. How do you get fired up about God with all you've been through with the church? I'll tell you this. The church was never my God. It's never been my God. When I got saved, God was my God. While the church is the bride of Christ and the church is the plan A, <laughs> we I serve the church, I serve in the church, I volunteer at church, I go to church, we all go to church, but the church is not my God. And you have to understand that if the church or the leader of the church is your God, then you have an idolatry problem, okay? <laughs> if you are worshiping your pastor or worshiping your leader or whatever, or even worshiping that particular house, you have an idolatry problem. God is the one that needs to be worshiped. And while the church is his organism, his body, when people are in charge of it, there will be disappointment. There will be hurt feelings. There will be things that transpire that maybe he wouldn't approve of, be approve of, but this is what he chose. So that is how I get fired up about God with all I've been through from the church, because I know that God is God and God is good at being God. And nothing will take the place of his headship in my life. So while I love the church and it is the bride of Christ, it is not my God. God is my God. Okay. Does that make sense? And that's how you can navigate these things. You know, when people see some, a popular pastor or, or leader, or whoever fall and, and, you know, have moral failure, or, you know, whatever it is. And if that tanks your faith completely, well, I wonder who's on the throne of your heart. Was it God? 
or did you worship that person more? And that's how I can have conversations with people on a regular basis where they're like, so-and-so, you know, fell in moral failure or whatever. And I'm like, he's human. She's human. Humans make mistakes. We sin. But if you're fixed on Jesus, if your eyes are fixed on the Lord, you're going to understand that happens. And, but for the grace of God, go I, okay? That was a really, really good question. I'm happy to have the opportunity to answer it. Okay, I'm going to take one or two more. Hopefully you guys are getting too bored out there. Anyone bored? If you are, (laughs) sorry. The next one is after a severe betrayal and hurt, how do I heal the relationship with my daughter? This was in the context of her daughter betraying her. After severe betrayal and hurt, how do I heal the relationship with my daughter? I've dealt with severe betrayal and hurt by people very, very close to me. And I will say to you, if you're looking to heal a relationship with somebody else, you need to do the work in you first before you reach out to somebody else. Are there things specifically in your life that you need to have God come in and heal? Are there things that you maybe have done wrong in that relationship with your daughter? Are there things that you could have done differently in the relationship with your daughter? Because taking responsibility for those things and allowing the spirit of God to heal you first is going to make sure that when you reach out to your daughter, you'll be able to heal that relationship and sustain it. Okay. I would look at yourself first, ask God, what do I need to heal from whatever? And then as a parent, reach out to your daughter. I understand that it can be very complicated. I understand that extremely difficult things can happen and it's her choice whether she wants to talk to you or not. You can't force someone to talk to you. But as a parent, make the first step. As a parent, reach out to that child, no matter if she's 50 years old, and say, I love you. I would love to rekindle a relationship with you. Forgive me where I was wrong in the situation and see if they will uh, contact you or communicate with you. I just really believe that we need to be healed first before we try to bring a toxic us into a toxic situation, especially when there's a lot of wounds. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. Next one. How much time would you say you devote to Bible study each day? What a great question. I love this one. It varies. Sometimes I could spend three hours you know, sitting down and really mulling over a passage of scripture. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. I will say this though. There are some times when I read one verse and just like I did this morning, that's really funny. Just like I did this morning and the verse is on my mind all day. Sometimes I don't understand what the Lord is trying to tell me by a verse, but I can read it and it'll be 10 minutes. I'll read a verse and I'll be like, wow, I know that's for me. I don't know how. And what I will do throughout my whole day is I will ask the spirit of God, what are you saying to me here? Why does this verse, why does it ignite something in me? What do I need to know here? What are you trying to tell me? And sometimes I'll spend 
a day. Sometimes I'll spend a week on one verse. But as a general rule, I try to spend at least 45 minutes to an hour, most of the time an hour every single day in multiple different kinds of worship. Sometimes definitely prayer. I definitely have a prayer time. I have a devotion time. I have a word time. And then throughout the rest of the day when I'm done, because I have four kids, so I have to get up really, really early to do all this stuff. I then meditate on what it was that God said to me. So his word is alive. His word is always on my mind. His word is always in my mouth because out of just plain survival, <laughs> that's how, that's kind of how I survive. It's really not me being spiritual. It's that I know I need Jesus so bad that it has become a discipline for me on a regular basis. If I skip a day, I notice it. Um, and there have been times when there have been something that's come up or we've been on a trip or, you know, something like that. And I haven't gotten to it. And I'm like dying the next day to hear, okay, God, what, what are we, what are we talking about today? What do we, what do I want to learn about today? Um, so I would say on average about an hour, but again, sometimes it's 30 minutes and I get up and I'm meditating on one verse all day. So great question. Uh, the last one that I'm going to cover today is what advice would you give to a Christian single woman in today's dating world? My sister was single for 40 years and I mean, not, not married for 40 years. She had boyfriends and stuff like that. But I love this question because I feel like I prayed for her <laughs> thousands. I prayed for her. God gave me words for her. God gave me verses for her that I would send to her for those 40 years. Cause we've been sisters, you know, for our whole lives. She's 17 months older than me. And I had been married twice for a long time. I was married the second time before she got married the first time. She got married July 4th, which was so funny, 2020. So she's been married now for three, three and a half years, something like that. The advice I would give to a Christian woman in today's dating world is do not buy the lie that he isn't out there for you and that you have to settle. Do not settle. <laughs> I don't care how old you are. It is better. I've done it both ways. Been in a good marriage with my husband, been in a terrible marriage. It is better to be single than to be married in a bad marriage. That is just, that's what Paul did. That's why Paul, uh, the apostle Paul stayed single. I would say, don't buy the lie that he isn't out there. If God has specifically told you he is, his word is what you believe, not how you feel, not what society says. The second thing I would say is make the most of this time. Don't waste this waiting season. You as a Christian single girl are able to do things that I cannot do because of the fullness of my life. As a Christian single woman, go on every missions trip you can, go on every girl's trip that you can, own your career, own all of those things. Don't waste time waiting. I told my sister this a lot. Make sure you live while you wait.
Do not waste your life not living because you're waiting on this thing when you could be fully embracing everything that God has for you. Okay. I do think one of the things I think my sister would say is she's really, she's been really frustrated with how the church treats single women because she, she specifically, her opinion is, and, and I don't know, cause I've, I've always been kind of married would be this. If you're not married, then you're less than. And she has a big bone to pick with the church when it comes to that. And, you know, it is really true. The church typically favors women who are married, even if it's unintentional, than women that aren't. And I do believe that that's one of the satanic holes that we need to kind of break free from in the church. But I want to tell you this right now. You are valuable without a husband right now, right now. You are 100% valuable. You have such great purpose in your life right now, single, right now. And don't let the enemy tell you anything other than that. So he's out there. If God has told you you're to be married, you listen to the Lord, not your emotions. Make sure you live while you wait. Do all of the things, okay? Do not settle. Don't even think about it. If you're thinking, well, I mean, is this the best I ever got? Yeah, that's how divorce happens. The last thing is know this. You are 100% walking in your purpose right now without being married. Because if your purpose was to be married, you would have been married by now, okay? Then with a husband. And I don't want anyone out there to degrade themselves because they don't have a spouse. That is absolutely ridiculous. If that was true, Jesus would have been degraded and so would have Paul and, you know, all, it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy that there is this narrative that is talked about in the church where, you know, well, she's not married or she's not this or she's not whatever. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are full of purpose, perfect purpose. So man, go out there and do everything God would have for you until that next season comes. Okay. I'm going to leave it there at that. That was a lot of questions. I had this giant cup of beautiful coffee. That's probably cold now because I didn't drink it, but I hope that helps you guys. We got so many good ones. I'll be using the rest of them as the days and weeks go on, but I hope that you resonated with something today. And I hope that one of your questions was answered. I want to just say it has been such an honor serving you this year in every capacity. It has been a privilege of mine and a joy of mine this year to come to this microphone every week and pour out my heart before you and know that my friends are on the other side of this. You're waiting for Tuesday morning for that thing to drop. And if we drop it early, <laughs> we just happens to be up early. You guys are listening to on Monday. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being so encouraging. Thank you for loving my family. I know I speak for my whole team, the, the production team that's listening now and, and the rest of the team when we say we truly, truly love you. And it has been an honor serving you this year. So I pray Uh, that you walk with us into 2024. It's going to be a crazy year. Next year, I'm starting school. My daughter is going to college. We have so many cool things that are happening next year. So I pray that you walk over with us into 2024. 
Let's do it again. It's going to be great. God bless you. We love you so much. I will see you next time right here on the Autumn Mile Show. Have an amazing, an amazing week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Mile Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show. Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith.